0: Commencement brings a set of new opportunities. By the time a class has been out 10 years, most of its members are married. But immediately after commencement, nearly all Mount Holyoke graduates find jobs or continue studying. Today, all fields are open to women. Any one of a variety of majors may lead to a position as Girl Friday for an Eastern Senator, service volunteer in Venezuela, or assistant sales director of Reader's Digest.
1: I'm Susan Wallner. Welcome to the Jersey Arts Podcast. The clip you just heard is from the film version of wendy wasserstein's play uncommon women and others it's about a group of friends graduating from mount holyoke one of the seven sisters colleges that were the female alternative to the mostly all-male ivy league uncommon women and others is on stage now at the princeton summer theater located on the campus of princeton university Princeton Summer Theater presents classic plays and provides professional experience for both undergraduates and recent grads. Professor of Theater, Sexuality Studies, and Feminist Theory, Jill Dolan, was part of a talkback after a recent performance. Jill is the dean of the college at Princeton University and author of a book about Wendy Wasserstein published in 2017. When I spoke to her via Skype, I asked what the audience was curious about after seeing this production of Uncommon Women and Others.
0: The Prince and Summer Theatre tends to attract a very loyal audience, mostly of community members, many of whom, the night I was there, probably were very familiar with Wendy Wasserstein's work, most likely saw some of her plays before she died in 2006 or saw revivals of them since then. And they were actually most curious about how this contemporary cast, the actors performing the roles now, how they felt being in parts about women who had just graduated from college in the early 1970s. So the audience was really curious about how the actors found the play relevant to their own lives and if there were echoes across that almost 50 year period of time.
1: So what did they say? Because I have to say that was my, my first question, too. What are they thinking? What are these young actresses thinking as they play these parts of women who are probably older than their mothers?
0: Right. In some cases, that's, that's most likely so. Well, the actors who are all enormously articulate and had a lot to say about the production process and about performance said that they actually found it remarkably relevant to their lives and we went on to talk about the ways in which even though Wasserstein was a very topical writer, her plays always had something to do with the present moment, they usually had something to do with her own life and the moment in which she was writing the play. In the same way of all of the best topical comedy, there is something universal and long lasting about the themes that she relates in the play. So for these women, women, the notion of being at a moment where opportunities for women are either expanding or under discussion, given our own political moment, as well as playing characters who find themselves in a very transitional moment in their personal lives, as well as in the historical politics of the moment they could really relate to the ambivalences their characters described. They could relate to a sense that perhaps there's lots of things that they could do with their lives, but how do those choices align with the things they really care about and the ways they see themselves versus how they're seen by society. So they they found the ways in which Wasserstein describes that balance between the personal and the political really acutely relevant to the choices that many of them are still making.
1: The the play Uncommon Women and Others is that particular moment in time, I guess it was one year before Roe v. Wade when right. when when these women were graduating. It was it which was nineteen seventy-two and then Roe v. Wade was i guess became law in 1973. They had right. birth control. I mean the the women in this play are constantly talking about their sexual conquests or their sexual experiences. So this yes. was something like that had happened. It's not like they were all sitting locked up in a women's dorm, but right. but it was it was it was a world in which they seemed to Need the validation of men, and couldn't quite imagine a world without that. And I think that was to me, just as an audience member, that was sad,
0: and it also felt very unlike
1: today what do you yeah. What do you think?
0: That's, that's very interesting. I think that's one of the themes that Wasserstein was really trying to trace out. And Uncommon Women and Others was her thesis play in the MFA program, the MFA playwriting program at Yale. So she was working on it the whole time she was at Yale, probably from 68 till the time it was performed in 70 or 71. But I think you're right to point out the differences in that moment and this moment. And yet at the same time, I think even some of my students from teaching on Princeton's campus for the last 10 years feel very keenly that despite the advances in feminism, despite the advances of women in business and in the professions, there's still a way in which they're judged by their relationships and their They're judged in relationship to a kind of gender competition that requires their personal lives and intimate relationships to validate them in a way they don't find their male peers judged accordingly.
1: The title, Uncommon Women and Others, can you get into that a little bit, the meaning of that phrase, Uncommon Women, in in the context of this play?
0: Well, in the context of the play, a lot of what what Wasserstein is quoting in the taped, uh, the taped speech from the male voice that precedes most of the scenes mm-hmm. actually comes from the rhetoric of Mount Holyoke College at the time, that uh, the women who enrolled were called uncommon. I think it also quoted some of the language of the Seven Sisters schools at the time, in part because this was a moment when some of the Ivy League institutions had not yet gone co-ed. So the notion that women were free to go anywhere to college was not yet part of public discourse. So the sense that the women who were admitted to the seven sister schools, sometimes because they couldn't get into Ivy League schools because they were not allowed to be enrolled, I think that was part of the language, that there was something special about them, something exceptional about them. And my sense of what Wasserstein was trying to do was both quote that language, but also implicitly criticize it. What was uncommon about these women? Or how did being labeled uncommon really become something of a burden to them in terms of their own life expectations and what they were, their own aspirations and the aspirations that other people brought to their lives being called exceptional is, is both a, a pleasure and a curse, I think is partly what she was trying to get to get at with the play. But I think that's a way in which the play resonates for students on the Princeton campus at this point, because Princeton too is a place of, of privilege, a place where students are encouraged to see themselves as, as quote unquote uncommon, although we don't use that language there's a whole campus group that calls out what they call Princeton perfectionism, where you're supposed to look as though studying is easy for you, having a social life is easy for you, that all the accomplishments of being a student on campus comes easily to you. And it's a really interesting corollary to the rhetoric of being an uncommon woman. So that's again a place where I would say Wasserstein's text remains relevant.
1: The Heidi Chronicles, which was the play that came out maybe about 10 or so years after Uncommon Women and Others, with the Heidi Chronicles, Wendy Wasserstein, you know, really breaks through. Her play goes to Broadway, wins the Tony Award. How do you see the connections between Uncommon Women and Others and the Heidi Chronicles, which is so much more well known?
0: know, it's such a good question. When I was watching the play last week, it, it reminded me that so many of Wasserstein's themes began in that play and then thread through every play she wrote after that, including the Heidi Chronicles. I would say that in some ways, the Heidi Chronicles is about the character of Holly and or the character of Kate Uh, at the next phase of her life. In the Heidi Chronicles, the main character is a successful art history professor. But in a way, all those questions about what it means to have a successful life and what it means to balance work and pleasure and what it means to have a professional career and a personal life, they're all really still in the Heidi Chronicles. So while in the play that brought her the most fame, that's pretty much centered on one character and whose story is told in a series of vignettes that pull apart all those choices by showing characters that made them in different ways. In Uncommon Women and Others, it's much more about the kind of collective spirit in which this group of women are experiencing that moment of graduating from college. And then of course, because the frame is looking back on that moment from the present moment, thinking about the choices they made, the choices they still might make, and what are the sacrifices and benefits they'll achieve from doing so. I think Heidi Chronicles really fulfills the promise of Uncommon Women and Others, but does it with a slightly different form and a slightly different sense of the character's situation.
1: You wrote a book about Wendy Wasserstein and her work, you know her work very, very well. She died at the very young age of 55 in 2006. Yes. Because she's no longer with us, her work has a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Unfortunately, it didn't continue to grow and develop with her. Where do you see her place in the world of American theater, of women and, and playwriting? Was she a trailblazer? Was she just a unique voice on,
0: of her own? That, that's such an important question. I think that Wasserstein was absolutely a pioneer. She was one of the first women to even have a play produced on Broadway, if you don't count especially Lillian Hellman. Um, she was one of the first women to win a Pulitzer Prize for a play. She was one of the first women to win a Tony Award for a play. Marcia Norman's Night Mother had been on Broadway before her. Beth Henley's Crimes of the Heart had been on Broadway. But the the sheer popularity of Wendy's work made her a pioneer. And also the fact that her work is funny, her work is squarely about women and takes women's power and agency and and challenges into consideration in every single play she's ever written. The, The fact that often her plays are about Jewish women, the fact that her plays often include women of color, her, she had her opus really represents something that still hasn't been repeated for women in American theater who are able to have the kind of success in the mainstream that Wendy Wasserstein had. And if she were still producing today, I'm sure by now, over the last twelve years, she would have written three or four more plays all of which would have opened on Broadway, which would have gone on to lives in the regional theater, in community theaters, which would have been taught in colleges and universities all over the country. She's she's an enormously important singular figure for in part because she was so popular, because she continues to be produced even now, and because the way she wrote about women didn't address everything in all women's lives, but it really got to the heart of some of the ambivalences, some of the trials and tribulations of a certain slice of American women that remain important today. I think she would have had a lot to say about the Me Too movement. Uh, no doubt personal stories, as well as, as just a professional and critical critique of the moment. But uh, she was a real public intellectual. She was an arts advocate. She took her position as a woman playwright very, very seriously. She used it to try to mentor young people toward going to see theater and having lives in the theater. So her, her voice and her work is really sorely missed and I hope other women will follow in her footsteps.
1: Well, thank you so much, Jill. That was a a really eloquent sort of testimony to her importance. It'll be very curious to see how how her
0: work continues to be produced and appreciated over the years. Exactly, I'm, I'm looking forward to more productions and seeing the kinds of choices they make and how they resonate for audiences. I know that'll continue to happen.
1: Thank you to Jill Dolan, Professor of Theater, Sexuality Studies, and Feminist Theory at Princeton University and author of a book about Wendy Wasserstein. Uncommon Women and Others is on stage at the Princeton Summer Theater through July 22nd, part of a season that runs through August 19th. For tickets, go to princetonsummertheater.org. For more about all of the arts, visit jerseyarts.com. I'm Susan Wolner for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Thanks for listening.
0: The Jersey Arts Podcast is made possible by the New Jersey State Council on the Arts, supporting excellence and engagement in the arts since 1966.
1: I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend But I always thought that I'd see you